Okay, so the first um, passage that we're reading is from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, you can find that on page 182, and we're reading verses 1 to 9. These are the commands, decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed to me, directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that in so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Our second passage is from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. And you can find that on page 1016. Sorry, 1017. Just kidding, sorry. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Oh, it's great to be with you again today. A warm welcome uh, if, if you're here for the first time, it's great that you can join us. And it's great to be up uh, speaking with you again after a few weeks. It was uh, excellent having Peter speak and Jack doing three weeks in a row and, and Jeff. But I'm looking forward to the rest of the year really opening up God's Word with you and getting into that. So um, it's, good, it's good to be back. And I realised I just left my Bible up the back there. Jack, could you grab me one? Thank you. Um, let me pray. And then we're going to today... Thanks, mate. We're going to think about the big picture, and we're going to use this great passage in Deuteronomy to do that. Um, we're going to also think about our big picture as a church. It's good once a year just to do that, just to stop and reflect where we're heading in the year to come. And so I'm hoping uh, over the next uh, few minutes, we'll really see God's word with some clarity and, and you'll get a, a greater picture of where we're wanting to go as a church in, line, in light of that. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we can uh, gather this morning. Uh, it's encouraging to come along and be able to hear from you, uh, from your word. And so now as we reflect on it, we pray that your spirit will transform our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you, have you ever tried to give a pep talk or some kind of motivation or get a group of people or an individual to do something? Has anyone tried to do that? Give me a nod if you tried to do that. I'm, I'm hoping teachers probably, at least. If you, uh, Your kids maybe. Maybe you're in a management position at work and you've got to give, you've got to rally the troops and give them a pep talk. 
Have you sat under pep talks that were pretty lame? Yes? Yeah. Sometimes they don't work out as well as people hope. Well, thankfully today, I'm not giving you a pep talk. God is. But it's more than that. There's something significantly profound in what we get to see today. But I thought it'd be interesting just to see a motivational speech from a little person. So let's see this video. Need a pep talk. The world needs you to stop being boring. Yeah, you. Boring is easy. Everybody can be boring. But you're good at that. Life is not a game, people. Life isn't a cereal either. Well, it is a cereal. And if life is a game, are we all on the same team? I mean, really, right? I'm on your team. Be on my team. This is life, people. You got air coming through your nose. You got heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. A poem. Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the road less traveled. It hurt, man! Really bad. Rocks, forms, and glass. My pirates broke. Wah! Not cool, Robert Frost. But what if there really were two paths? I won't be in the one that leads to awesome. It's like that dude Journey said, don't stop believing unless your dream is stupid. Then you should get a better dream. I think that's how it goes. Get a better dream and keep going. Keep going, keep going, and keep going. Will Michael Jordan have quit? Well, he did quit. No, he retired. Yeah, that's He retired. But before that, in high school, what if he quit when he didn't make the team? He would have never made Space Jam. And I love Space Jam. What will be your Space Jam? What will you create when make the world awesome? Nothing if you keep sitting there. That's why I'm talking to you today. This is your time. This is my time. It's our time. We can make every day better for each other. If we're all on the same team, let's start acting like it. We got work to do. We can cry about it or we can dance about it. We were made to be awesome. Let's get out there. I don't know everything. I'm just a kid. But I do know this. So everybody's doing to give the world a reason to dance. So get to it. You've just been pet talked. Create something that will make the world. That's just a little kid being cute, saying some cliches, some motivational things. It's kind of funny. Um, and and silly at the same time, for some of us, we kind of smile and it warms our heart. What God's doing today is not seeking to do that for us. What he's seeking to do uh, for us today is to help us to see that it's not our time, it's our time to see what God's plan is for us. To look at God and see his vision for the future. And from that, we can get stirred and our emotions should uh, kind of be stirred to action. 
And so that's what I want us to see today, that it's not just some kind of words put together that are motivational in a way, it's God telling us about the heart of the matter. And that's what, in your booklets, uh, if you've got the outline there, um, you see that on the top of it I've got that, those words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. God is speaking about big things. But what's the context to this? What's going on? Why say such big things? What matters? Why is it so important? Well, it's because something monumental is about to happen for God's people. Something monumental is about to happen, something exciting, something full of expectation. If you've got um, a Bible in front of you, which would be helpful, um, open up to Deuteronomy and just look with me at the beginning of uh, chapter 6, we've got Shannon read for us. Moses is speaking and he says, this is what God wants you to know and he says in verse 1, these are the commands, decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing, the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. What's about to happen is God, who's made a people for himself, who he has made significant promises with, a real covenant promise where he says he's going to do this and you respond to this and this is where we're going forward. At the heart of that, they were going to have a place to dwell and they're about to go. And when they go and they're going to be there, they're not just going to get to be on a nice bit of fertile land. It's actually the point is this is the place where you live with the ways of God. And so... Moses gives his grand speech and, and here in Deuteronomy, the, the book itself and numbers as they're walking around and they find out, we're finding out what that's going to look like. And right here in verses 4 and 5, we see the centerpiece, the beating heart of the whole point of what God's people are to be like, what's to matter to them. All the things that are said, and there are a lot of laws, there are a lot of ways, there's lots of rituals for, for God's people initially. All of those things were to understand the point to this attitude towards God. That is why it is such a significant section. It's why it's a really good passage to look at today as we think about what our beating heart is, what our vision is, where we want to go. It's we want to unpack today how God wants us to be. We don't want to come up with our dreams and if they're, if they're stupid, change them. We want to see what God wants, not dream about it, but then live in light of it. We want what God wants. Well, that's what God's people should. That's what we see in verses 4 and 5. And so what we're going to do today for a bit is we're going to unpack it from three different perspectives. 
And as we unpack it from those three different perspectives, my hope for you, whether you don't know where you are with God, um, whether you think, I don't even know whether I should love him or not, maybe this will help you wrestle with that a bit more today. That would be what uh, I hope God's word does for you today. But for all of us to see any plans and visions we have for the future don't matter without seeing what God wants. And here it is. This helps us see uh, the big picture. And it's a fantastic picture that we have before us. And so, as you see in the outline, it says something a little bit odd. It says, the first thing we see from these great words is that Grove, you and I, are to be people who shima God. We're to shima God. What does it mean to shima God? Well, this two, two sentences, or two verses rather, really, they're called the Shema and they've been words that have been said throughout the centuries of the Jewish people. And Christians, after Jesus, have taken these words and taken them to heart as well. Why have we done that? Well, because we've had two readings today, haven't we? And Jesus came along, who what everything is focused on towards, and he put this idea front and centre of the Christian life. But for the Jewish people, they would say these words over and over and over again to remind them of their responsibility to God who has given them such great blessings. It was a significant prayer. And it was called the Shema, not for anything fancy, other than the first word, here, is the Hebrew word for Shema. That's what it is. But it's really worthwhile us reflecting on it. See, that word Shema means hear or listen. It means to hear or listen to the Lord God. We talked about what Lord is, the one who exists. He demands, he should demand us to listen to him. He is the Lord. There is no other. There's no one dependent upon him. There's not a whole bunch of other gods. The Lord, your God, wants you to hear from him. But, There's more to this word, which is really worthwhile us thinking about. You see, it's not just we're hearing, uh, we're hearing that it says here. Here. Okay. I know what that is. That means when someone speaks, I use these things, it goes in and I take it on board. But the really interesting thing about this idea and this word is it means more than that. It means to be, have attention and focus as you hear, but it's a little bit like a coin. I left my wallet in the, in the bag as well. If you've got a coin, what do you have on a coin? Sorry? You have a figurehead and what do you have on the other side? Yeah, an emblem, something else. There are two sides to it and they're different, but it's the one coin. You might have a figurehead and then you might have something special about that country, right? A two-sided coin, the one coin. Shema is kind of like that because what you're actually seeing is it's not just here, it also means obey, the one word. The Hebrew, Hebrew language didn't actually have uh, a, another word for obey. So if you were to say obey, if God says to, uh, the, is to Moses, Moses, you must obey me, he says, Moses, you must shema me. Why is that important? Why is that significant that we've got uh, two sides to the one coin when it comes to here? It means 
that there's no distinction between taking it on board with your ears and actually responding to it for God's people. To hear is to respond and do. It's a package deal. I think it's a really cool, cool idea to understand. It makes so much more sense of when the Bible talks about Israel not listening. When they have ears, but they do not listen. Israel's history is not one of reading these words out together and praying. If you've read, ever read any of the Old Testament, you'll know they don't read these words out and then go, I've got it. I'm going to do that all the time, do they? They constantly forget. They constantly reject and go away from it. And so often the prophets would say, you have ears, but you're not listening. If you want to prove that, you can jot down in Jeremiah chapter 5 and Jeremiah 6, Ezekiel 12, those prophets say to the people who are so rebellious, you have ears, but you're not listening. That is to say, it's going in, but you're not responding. Shema is not happening. If we're going to understand what God wants, we're going to see that He wants us to take on board deeply and profoundly His ways. And so, at Grove, we are passionate about hearing from God. If you've been coming for any period of time, you know, we desperately want to understand God's Word. We want to understand it more and more. We actually want to push ourselves, not just have a nice surface feeling for God's Word. Wherever we're at, wherever our Bible knowledge is, we want to grow further because we see that God wants us to do that. He wants us to really delve into His Word. He wants us to hear from Him. And so we are passionate about that. We don't want to have Israel's problem. We don't want to have the problem when Jesus came on the scene. It was the leaders that Jesus pointed out had the Shema problem. They heard all the rules and regulations. They added extra ones. But they were hypocrites. They didn't understand. Jesus pointed out time and time again that they weren't hearing. And yet we see, quite simply, that God wants us to have a devotion to listening to his words. And I think sometimes, for us, we need one of these things. Not literally, literally, but we need one of these things. It's called a phonak. What it is, it's like a listening device. I won't pull it out. It's, that's a little little device here that you put on yourself and the person who needs to wear it puts a little earpiece in. And what that thing does is that person can focus on what that person's saying without hearing all the other noise. For some people, they hear background noise at the same level of someone speaking. And what happens is you can't focus in on what you're actually supposed to hear. And that device does amazingly for helping someone hear the words that they're supposed to focus on, not the background noise that's going on around them. So if you're in a cafe and you're talking to someone and it's loud and there's music and other people are hearing and you just can't process properly what they're saying even though you're hearing them because you've got this processing issue, that device fixes it for you. 
I think we need that sometimes as God's people. That we let all these other voices speak or we just kind of water down God's word that we don't want to delve into it. We, it's there, it's absolutely there. We think it's so important. We believe it's there, but we actually struggle to take it on board sometimes. Is that just me or sometimes do you feel like that's you? I'm speaking as one who can relate to that, not just saying it's your problem. I think that's a struggle for us. And what God's saying is, I want you to cut through and I want you to hear me clearly so you respond. You see, if a church has a great community, has people who actually care for each other and care for others around them, a church that has music that is fantastic, is going well, that has a focus on prayer... But when it comes to God's words and hearing from him, that's a bit superficial. We would have a problem because God wants us to shape all of those things deeply and profoundly around what he says. He is the God that is. He is the God that gives us a relationship with him. And so we hear... We hear from the Lord and we respond. How do we respond? Well, it's no surprise if you've read your Bible that it's a four-letter word. Love. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. So, Grove... You and I are people who love God. But as we say that, we need to have some clarity because I think we get this mixed up. We get confused. We forget what's going on around us because what God is not saying is just feel it. Just feel me. Just feel the love you and I as if it's some kind of romantic ballad between you and God. That's not, that's not what God's love is. Love is primarily an action, not just an emotion. Let me say that again. Love is primarily an action, not just an emotion. How can we say this? Well, if we think carefully just about our relationships, not let... Hollywood kind of step in the road and keep on telling us that I just don't feel like I love you anymore so I don't need to be in relationship with you anymore and, and it's all about the romantic love. But if we think deeply about our relationships, when you're with someone, what do you do to show them that you love them? If you love your spouse and they have a desperate need to have, I don't know, something outrageous like you know, the toilet kept clean and it's your job and you think never ever am I going to do it, that's not love, right? If you do it, it's a small, small token act of love. You can't walk around going, I'm, the, I'm just a fantastic, I just love my spouse so brilliantly because you do something that's just so basic. But if you didn't love them, you're not going to... See, you do things to respond 
We know that if we stop and think about our relationships. But God's word reveals us to us even more clearly. Does God primarily say he loves us on a Hallmark card? Or does he do out of love? The very first pages of the Bible, what, does, what do we find out about us? God created us in his image. We are his image bearers. That is a spectacular act of love that he would give us such a privilege that we have his image. That he makes relationship promises with us even when we shatter that image. When we continually, generation after generation, say to God, we'll say nothing to him and just turn away from him. And he wants to be in relationship with us. That God himself, out of love, gives up everything that belongs to him. Like we saw in Philippians, as we looked in Philippians in that great hymn, he made himself nothing, became a human. Jesus took on flesh, the Lord of all, the creator of all, out of love, humbled himself. And then out of love, humbling himself, he didn't just turn up and hang out with us for a while and the people who lived then were lucky because they got to actually see Jesus physically. That time 2,000 years ago, for all of humanity, Jesus died in our place. And that for anyone who trusts in him, because of his love, you have that relationship with him. Love is primarily an action, not just an emotion. But when you see that, as God is talked about having great affection towards us, just in Deuteronomy chapter 7, it says to us that we have to foster affection for God as he has affections for us. If you go and have a look at, jot down Deuteronomy 7, 7 to 9, that there's this affection that goes with it. It's not, not like a kind of formula that's concrete and not full of feeling. When you see what God's done, the affection and emotion should be stirred, even if you're a male, right? Your, your emotion should be stirred deeply and profoundly to how great God is. You see, love is not, love is not just something that happens. That'll be something when we do our relationship series and we talk about that in the coming weeks. We'll get greater clarity on. You choose to love someone. God didn't make us and go, ha, what do you know? As it turns out, I actually love them. Before he made us, he loved us. He knew David before he was in his mother's womb, David says in one of the Psalms. God chose to love us. Why should we love? As this great uh, Shema says, because God is the initiator of love. In 1 John chapter 4, it says that. God is the initiator of love. Love is how we shema. It's what we are committed to be. If we're ever going to think about where we're heading as a church, if love is pushed aside, we've pushed aside the beating heart of God. 
And that takes us to our final reflection, the heart. We're to love. How are we to love? Point three, Grove are people who give their heart. That is your whole self to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. Let me ask you, when you think of the heart, what do you think of? Anything? Heartless? <laughs> Void of heart? Four chambers of the nurse for you. Excellent, excellent. Four chambers of pumping blood. When we think of the heart, I don't think of that. We, we kind of think of feelings. That's just where we naturally go towards because we kind of use the heart to think of feelings. We use this thing in here, the brain, for thinking and the mind. That picture there, which you can't, you can't see in detail, I'll just put it up there just to move us along in the service. But what's really interesting about this word for, um, for God's people and for the Israelites is they don't think about the heart that way. There is no brain in Hebrew. They don't use the, the brain to talk about the ways of thinking and discerning and understanding. Do you know what they use? The heart. That is to say, when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength and your soul and the depth of all of life, the spiritual, physical, your, all yourself and strength, everything you have, your heart is your whole self. There's nothing you leave behind. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you think like that? That there's nothing that you leave behind when it comes to God. Because the God who you said is Lord and your King, who died for you on the cross and gave you life, is saying, love me with everything you have. Leave nothing behind. That is the joy and privilege that you have. All of your emotions and feelings, all that you do, everything that you are, everything that you think, it's for God. Loving God is not a part-time job. Has anyone ever had two part-time jobs at the same time? It's tricky, isn't it? Because you've got two jobs and they both want you to do the job and you've got to manage both of them and they're both pulling you in two directions. Is that a reasonable thing to say with jobs? I, yeah, it is, right? That's why I've never chose to do that because I don't want to be pulled in two different directions. But I know some of you do and I really appreciate those who commit to doing it because it's impressive that you can do that. But God is saying, you don't have me from Sunday to Wednesday and then you've got your own time Thursday to Saturday. He's saying with everything you have from Sunday to Sunday, from every hour that you are, you love me because I've loved you and given you everything that I have. I've loved you first. It's a big picture, isn't it? If you're wondering what it means to be, be a Christian is don't hold any punches, 
if God's real, if Jesus died for you, he's saying he wants all your life. God wants us to give everything. That means when we're doing the mundane, when we're working, we live in a way that does it for God. But it also means that we don't just say, well, I live for God in everything I do, but I don't really do Christian things. I just, I just, uh, you know, um, uh, when I'm working, and when I'm having leisure time, I just make sure I'm godly. You can use that as an excuse, that I'll just be godly in what I do, but I won't kind of commit to any devotion to God in any uh, personal time with others and God, in God's people. Or you can actually do that and fool yourself into thinking that way. Or you can think, I do heaps at church. I catch up with heaps of people. I do all these different ministries outside of my church. I do all these things caring for people. I've got so much of my time. Now it's a bit of me time. And you're saying, no, no, no. You, your whole way of thinking is wrong. Give all of yourself in everything that you do to me. That is the picture that we have. It's a great, great couple of verses. No wonder these words have been said generation after generation. Our big picture plan, therefore, must be that we are people who love Jesus the Lord. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is the one who comes and gives us life. And so our picture for the future, what we want to see, that this is the centrepiece of our life because we want others to become lovers of God and we want all of us to grow in our loving of God. That is our vision because it's not ours, it's God's. What God wants, which is what I said at the start, isn't for us just to have pep talk after pep talk. It's for us to want to have a lifelong commitment to him and to suggest to anyone who wants to engage with it, you know, God wants you to do that too. It means we care about numbers, not because we want to look good and look good to um, other people, but because we want more and more people to become and more and more people to grow. That's the big picture. We want many more people to be inspired, motivated, to take personal and deeper commitments to God's word, to God's way. And so what is, what is this going to look like? Well, what we're going to do for something a bit different today is we're going to sing a song that we've sung at many key moments in our church's life, Be Thou My Vision. We're going to stand and sing and just after hearing that, sing these great words to God and then I'm going to come back for a few moments and just help us see what it's going to look like for us in the next little while um, in 2018 and beyond. Let's do that. Please take a seat and um, there are some bits of paper being uh, passed around. I don't know if I've got enough for everyone but if you can see one that'd be probably helpful and I'll, um, it'll get sent out in the weekly email with spelling corrections I'm sure that many of you will find. Um, but I probably need a copy. This isn't going to be like another 20 minutes or anything, if you're wondering. Um, I just wanted to uh, give you a picture of where we're going. People uh, have asked me where things are up to and where we're heading. So what, what we're going to do every year, at some point at the end of the year, we'll have a year where we just take stock and reflect. And every year it'll look a bit different. 
Some years it might be that we're thinking about having someone come on board. We may have news about what's happening. If anyone else need one, Jen's got some over there, um, of what's happening. Uh, might be where we're up to. We want to do something and we need to think about having a pledge for something. It could be a whole bunch of different things about where we're heading as a church. What I wanted to do today is I actually want us to stop and think where we've come from. And uh, So if you actually turn the page to the Our Story one, just to start off with. Um, if you, wherever you jumped in on the Trinity Grove story, whether it's uh, you're here today on, uh, for the first time or whatever, um, and there you go, publicly spelt wrong, is number one. Um, our story started in 2014 when we publicly launched and then had to pause uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons, uh, which, was, which was okay. And so those of us who were starting to think about church planting um, up here continued on in our fellowship with Trinity North East um, in Modbury. And then after they got their new uh, a pastor, Stephen George, who uh, if you... Uh, Stephen preached in February here uh, this year and he and I get on really well um, and he's become a good friend and uh, work in the gospel. Uh, he he came on board and so by August 2015 it was back on. And so the core team started to get together and then April 2014 we publicly launched. That's a mistake, sorry about that. And what that's supposed to say is, oh, don't you hate it when you don't print out the right copy? Uh, that one is supposed to say we actually had information notes. We met here for the first time in September of 20. Uh, 2015. Um, and so we did that. Uh, we met here. We had a prayer and information night. Heaps of people from Trinity North East came. Some of you were here. A few of you were here on that day, if you remember. We had dessert and prayed and talked about could we use this space. It wasn't official. We were meeting here. And then that happened. And then by March 2016, Trinity Grows first Sunday and we went all the way through. We had our first Saturday evening event um, when we had uh, the Garden of Sinners Delights where... Um, uh, Jamie C. Fang um, did an Easter uh, concert kind of thing for us and that was fantastic. And then really, what March to June was all about was becoming a community, following Jesus and figuring out what it means to matter to us. We wanted to create a community. We didn't want to welcome people to nothing. So we wanted to create a community. We decided to just have a little, little focus on reading the Bible together because we didn't have any groups meeting during the week. Then in July, we started our community groups September last year, we had our weekend together. The reason we're doing it next week is because it was such a great time. We thought, let's have another crack at it. It was really good. And if you can't come, as Jack said, Saturday night's prayer and Thanksgiving last year was just a wonderful time to those of us that came back for that. And that, and that was a good thing if you can uh, come to that. And then we had our Christmas Eve. I put that down in there because I think that was, well, that was, I think, one of the best things we did last year. It was just such a great time. Had uh, lots of people here and it was a really great um, time of fellowship and encouragement and proclaiming the gospel. We had our celebration of our first birthday in March. Uh, Beck got baptised um, in June this year. Remember that? That was a great time out, out there on the oval um, or in the, in the grass area and Beck shared her testimony from being far away from God and then being invited here and then thinking about Jesus and realizing he was uh, Lord of her life and that was a joy for us. Many of you said to me that's been your favorite part so far of our story and it is mine. Then we had Christmas in July not that long ago and that was just a food festival. I enjoyed that. That was great and many of you came. I think some of you might have been here for the first time with Grove that are here today and that was a really enjoyable time as well. Then what I put down the bottom there are some numbers. Instead of just um, telling you what they are, I wonder if anyone wants to guess what some of these numbers are. 32. Anyone have a guess? 
How many adults we started with? You can't answer anymore, Jen. You should know this. Um, <laughs> uh, what about what about ten plus ten each month? Pardon? Uh, not quite. That would be awesome. We'd be massive. That'd be really good. Um, each month we have uh, ten newcomers come for the first time. They, they coming back. That's just they come once. Many come back over and over, and ten visitors each month. Uh, that's where we're up to. Um, I think two months ago when I looked at that. What about 70? <laughs> You're dead to me, Jason. All right, <laughs> 70. Uh, 70 was how many people were uh, average and coming in December, um, sometime in December. Less than 10, greater than 20? Uh, you're on the right track. Any guess? Jack, you want to have a crack? Um, we average just under less, less, less than 10 kids on a Sunday. And that's something good to know because we really want to grow that. And we have more than 20 young adults rock up. Um, and so we have to, I was going to say put up with, but we love them coming as well. <laughs> Come as well. Um, greater than 50%. What started with greater than 50%? Sorry? Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. We started our community groups with greater than 50% of people who were part of Grove joining them. And then we had to raise the bat. Does anyone know what raise the bat means? I meant to bring a bat. When do you raise the bat? For 100, when you play cricket, you raise the bat. What's that related to? Does anyone know? Yeah, I told you that at the door, yeah. <laughs> when we were talking about something. Um, last Sunday was our first just regular Sunday where we had 100 people come. And so there you go. So that's, I just thought, it's useful... I think it's great to hear where we've come from and what we're doing. Um, back in when we had an AGM early in the year, on the back page, I gave you uh, this snapshot of where our vision is at at the moment and just what we think about. If you want to reflect on, um, and if you come to Connect Course, these are the kind of things we want to talk about more and more. If you want to reflect on what matters to us, that's a really good place to start. It's our banners with a bit of our commitment and so forth outlined. So I'm not going to talk about that in any detail. I just wanted to bring that up uh, for you. Uh, now, what I wanted to do, though, is talk about where we're heading and what we're going to do next year. And I've been reflecting a lot about where we're up to and where we need to go. And next year, I want us to have two main focuses. And one of them came out of our passage today. Um, I want us to have continue, we'll always have, but have a mission focus. And we're particularly going to focus on fostering a mission heart. And our maturity focus is, I'm convinced that we should have a year of the Bible. Whether you've never really read the Bible and you've got a service level, to you read the Bible diligently, I want us to have a year where we get into the depth of reading the Bible. And I want to lead you in that. So I'm going to seek to read the Bible more than any other year that I have. And one of the things I want to do, we're going to start, we're going to read those who want to commit to it, and even if you don't commit to it, but going further into it, but I want us to read the Bible in a year together and do that in a really good and interesting way. Um, and really what I want, as you can see there, I want us to increase our affection and understanding of God's Word. It's so easy for us to go, I, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, but I leave it there. And God, I think we saw today in that great passage, wants us to get stuck into it. And it's not about intellect. It's not about um, being brilliant. 
in languages because I, you know, I'm not good at languages. Don't be under that false pretenses. I um, just read about that. <laughs> I don't know Hebrew. So, so it's, it's, it's about learning um, more and more so we can get more from God. And I think next year we're going to focus on that. So closer to the end of the year, I'm going to really um, explain some of the things we might do with that. And some of them are there. We want to increase community groups. One of the things we're going to do is before you join a community group, um, everyone spends three weeks um, doing the Connect course, finding out about our church and where we're at, and then going to the community groups. I think that'd be really helpful for people to be on the same page. And I want us to have a mission heart. And so what we're going to do and talk to Kristen who came a few weeks ago, who's up at Catherine, and we, we just kind of threw out the idea of going up there for a week. We're going to do that if we can. If we can't do it this year, we'll do it next year. But I'm going to see if we can have a crack at doing that. I think it'd be fantastic to go to a place where we can really serve and we can foster a mission-minded heart for when we come back together. Um, we'll really grow in our friendships and relationships and we'll talk more about that if we can pull that off. We talk about our stories of Grove. I want us to talk about them more and more and I want, I, my kind of goal and vision is that everyone can articulate with clarity your relationship with Jesus and the significant moments in that. Life course, that should be every term. We want to make sure that we give people an opportunity to wrestle with it. And then the last one there is, we're part of a network which cares about um, more and more people coming to know Jesus and growing in Jesus. And so we're part of Trinity Network which plants churches. That's what we've been doing. And so you can see there that uh, timeline um, where, where we are. And in 2018, next year in February, Trinity Inner South is planting a church um, somewhere in the Inner South. And um, and we're going to pray for them. And be we're good. Thank you. Um, and so we're going to be thinking about that because I just want us to celebrate beyond ourselves. And that's why Catherine, not part of the network, someone out there. And then when we do things, it'd be great to encourage and pray for uh, them. But we are also a small church. And we're always going to be thinking about reaching and going beyond ourselves. I want to do that. I don't know what I'm... Am I doing something? What we want to, what we want to do is um, we want to continue to reach out to the north. And we're not going to do that by ourselves. Um, whenever we plant a church in the north, we're going to do it like-minded together. So maybe in 2020, that's a kind of random number in a way, but we're wanting to plant another church in the north somewhere and Trinity Northeast in the coming year has got more staff coming, which is great for them and they're getting an assistant to come along and if they plant a church or if we plant a church, we're doing it together. And so I just wanted to have that in your mindset that we're, we're wanting to see more and more people um, that come to church to think about Jesus. Um, and one of the great things about that is is that we don't actually want to have Trinity churches just being planted. It's great to have other churches planting as well. Uh, so we had um, Lindsay Mays come and talk about how uh, he pl- is planting up above Elizabeth and that's happening and I want to uh, contact him and find out how, how things are going with that as well and be encouraged by all the other stuff that's happening. And so as we finish, a couple things to wrap up with. Our goals, these are goals that I gave you in uh, May and I wanted to remind you of them. Um, so I'm not going to go into them in detail, but our Sunday gatherings, we wanted to have the goal next year of being over 120. Maybe we can really smash that um, and really grow beyond that. Um, our second goal will be financially independent 
uh, and in a position to employ an associate pastor, uh, that would be a great thing to do. Um, 2017 and 2018 will focus on mission through commitment to sharing, inviting and welcoming, hence why I, I've uh, made mission focus um, earlier. And goal five, what I just talked about, we're actively involved in and committed to planning a church in the northern region in 2020. And we'll also seek to add MAP trainees uh, to Grove when we can. I, I've loved having Jack. I think it's been good uh, for you, Jack. Good. <laughs> um, and and we've, we've been served faithfully um, and it's been a great encouragement and joy to us to have Jack. And why not continue to have that focus? We're the, the first church plan in the network to have a MAP a start at the beginning. I'd love to see that happen across all the network. Why not? I don't, our usual practice is, is when we talk about finances, we get the leadership team and others to speak about it. So I'm not going to speak it out about that in detail, but I just wanted to point out Andrew Severin, our business manager, just wanted to, uh, just pointed out where we're up to, which can be helpful. So I'm just going to mention them. Um, so we're, we're as of January to September in a deficit of 10,000. Um, and, so, which isn't actually unusual or uncommon. Every second year of the church plant, that's kind of normal. Um, that's, that's kind of what's happened and that, that's, uh, where think, where things are at. Um, and on the second slide, um, we've had one, a generous one-off, uh, gift received in 2017, which actually means we are in, in, in a better place than even that deficit. But, um, what we need to do monthly is to increase our giving, um, from 11,000 to 14,000. Um, so I'll, I'm going to send through all the slides uh, that um, Andrew sent through to me yesterday uh, to you to reflect on. There was more. But I just wanted to point that out to you. Um, but today isn't um, about that um, uh, as our focus. What about staff? Next year is going to be very different. Um, but I'm pretty excited because um, Jack is... Well, I'm not excited about him not doing that because he's not going to be here full time. That's disappointing. Um, but what's exciting is Jack's going to go to Bible college next year, which is really great. And so that's really exciting to hear. And so we're going to continue um, to support and pray for uh, Jack. And that means that next year he'll be um, staying at Grove for, for a year, doing one day a week, um, which is really great. But let's be clear on that too. One day a week while you're doing Bible college compared to full-time apprentice where we, where we get you to do a lot is a very different ball game. So we'll be very clear on what, how that's going to work and how that's going to look. Um, so next year will be a bit different in that regard, but that's what was planned and expected, um, in any case. I thought it'd be helpful, um, for you to see that, um, to, to think about how great it is where we've come to, um, and where we're heading. And we'll flesh that more out over the coming um, months and years. But more importantly, those plans don't matter if we don't have uh, the love of God as our focus. So we're going to do now is pray, Jack, is that right? Damien's going to lead us in prayer, so thanks, Damien.